Father, I ask uh, that as we consider your word right now, that you would use it in the hearts of your people. Father, I pray that by your spirit, uh, you would apply this uh, to different people in different situations, and that you would be at work among us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're in a series right now called When the World Falls Apart, thinking about some passages from Matthew 24, 25. Um, it's known as the Olivet Discourse, and it's some words from Jesus uh, looking ahead to kind of the end of the world and things that we can learn from that. And so I want to start um, with something that's a, a bit of fun, but well, you'll see. The early spring of 1988, Edgar Wisnant published a booklet called 88 Reasons Why, not kidding, 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Be in 1988. He was informing the church that Christ's return would occur between September 11th and September 13th in 1988. As you may know, he was wrong. And so, in 1989, he published another booklet titled The Final Shout, Rapture Report, 1989. He started the book with this explanation. He said this, My mistake was so was that my mathematical calculations were off by one year. The miscalculation was so simple. Ah, he says this, Perhaps the reason I did not see my error was God's will. As you may know, he was wrong. And so he published another book in 1993 and another booklet in 1994. And in case you're tempted to think that this was just some odd little booklet for odd people, that initial booklet sold about 4.5 million copies. The TBN network, a worldwide Christian TV network, even interrupted its normal programming to prepare its viewers for Jesus' return. It's funny or uncomfortable to consider examples like this until we realize that it involves people. People who were inspired by the nearness of Christ's return only to have their hopes dashed and quite possibly their faith dashed with it. Some parts of Christianity, I think, have an unhealthy obsession with an overconfidence, really, in saying when Jesus will return. Now, I've got two, two concerns with this overconfidence. The first is that it gets people excited only to later disappoint. The second is that the rest of the church then ignores what the Bible says about the end times. And this is what I think a lot of people from our church might fall into, where the things you've seen perhaps have, have seemed incredible, or certainly haven't come to pass, so much so that you don't give the credit to what the Bible says about end times in the way that you should. You see, the Bible has two themes that I want to hold together. On one hand, there will be signs uh, that should cause us to look up and wonder if Jesus is coming soon. You know, for example, we've never seen anything like COVID-19. We should think, what if Jesus is about to return? At the same time, we should have a humility about our understanding so as to know that Jesus can come back at any moment. 
key verse to this is right at the beginning of our reading. It's Matthew 24, verse 36, where it says this, But about that day or hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. No one will know the day or the hour. The way I think about this is that essentially Jesus can come back at any moment. When Jesus returns, we might be like, wait, so who is the Antichrist? And the answer might be Donald Trump, and we'll think, wow, people on the TBN network had that one right. Or if I put it another way, when Jesus returns, no one's going to be like, wait, you can't come back yet. Who are the two witnesses um, that are mentioned in Revelation? The Left Behind book series made me think they were going to be on the news, um, and they weren't. You see, when Jesus returns, it will be a surprise. And yet, as best we can, we want to be waiting and ready and looking forward to that time. Now, our passage today uses several examples that each hold the idea that, we, that both we don't know when Jesus will return with the idea that we should be ready. The first example is of people during the time of Noah comes in Matthew 24, verses 36 to 42. They had no idea a flood was coming. They were going on with normal life as if everything was just fine. Bear in mind, we know that people in the time of Noah were sinful, but that isn't what's being focused on here. Instead, check this out. Let me read from verse 37 again. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. So again, when Jesus returns, there's a similarity here. And then notice what they're accused of, verse 38. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and being given in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. So it almost restates what we heard back in verse 37 there at the end, that there's a similarity here. But notice what they're accused of. Brace yourself eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Jesus describes them as he could anyone. The point here is not that what they were doing is wrong, but that they have no idea of what's coming. So it will be when Jesus returns, people will be surprised. And yet we are called, however, to be ready to keep watch. Verse 42, Therefore, Keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. It reminds me of what it was like just before lockdown. Do you remember? For me, there was this huge disconnect that I was seeing that was almost felt like it was driving me crazy. A disconnect between what was happening in other places in the world, between what we were, things we were seeing on the news, and what was happening here. Jesus says that when he returns, there will be people that are clueless that he is coming. The issue here is in living life while ignoring the impeding judgment of God. We're called not to get so lost in life that we no longer wait for Jesus' return. This is not an exhortation to hate life, but to keep watch, which I would argue adds to life in a significant way. The second example here in Matthew 24 
is of a person having their home broken into. And if you knew at what time the thief was coming, you would be prepared and you wouldn't let your house be broken into, which is a, a good illustration. But I want to finish, however, by looking at the third example that Jesus gives. In Matthew 24, verse 25 to 51, we get a picture of a servant that's waiting for their master to return. In the passage, the servant is pictured as having the, the option to live in two different ways. Based on whether the servant is anticipating the master's return or not. The servant could be, this is the first example given, could be wise and faithful. The master will return and give him even greater responsibility as someone who can be trusted. Or the servant can be wicked and face judgment when the master returns. If the servant is wise and faithful, then the master's return is good. If the servant is wicked, then he probably hopes the master will never return. And the, the wicked servant here says, My master's staying away a long time, which frees him to disobey the master. The master's return is received differently depending on the heart of the servant. Now bear in mind, side note, bringing this back to us for a moment here. If the idea of Jesus returning fills you with dread... Bring that to God. My hope is that instead it would fill you with hope and peace. And see, we're meant to live with this awareness that at any moment, any day, Jesus might return. That we should be keeping watch. And I think what happens is if we can have this mindset, it changes the way we live. I don't know about you, but perhaps you've had sort of experience where your personal guard against feeling like you will live forever has been taken away. Maybe you were sick or in an accident or threatened by horrible weather. And if you've ever had that feeling where you worry, what if you were, what if you die? And cried out to God, hoping to make certain that when you were called to account, he would be pleased with you. In that moment of rightness before God, that sort of moment is where we should live all of our lives. Not with a fear of death, but more with a confidence because we are living as we ought. We are good servants ready for our master's return. And watching for Christ's return helps us to do that. Um, one of my kind of personal anecdotes, one of my big ones, like the kind of worst storm you've ever been in sort of thing, was from one summer when I was working as a pizza delivery driver. And I, what I want you to see from this illustration is how it affected me afterwards. Basically, I was working as a delivery driver for Domino's. I'm driving my car, a horrible storm comes up. It's in Minnesota. I notice I can see large objects actually flying through the air. Like I actually, I think I even saw a kid's playhouse, like one of those big plastic ones actually rolling across the lawn. And there was siding from houses flying through the air. And so I, my initial reaction was to think that I was in a tornado. And so I pulled my car over, 
Uh, I saw the front door of a house where their porch light was on, and what I did is I ran with my head covered, hoping that I wouldn't get hit by something, ran to the front door and turned the, and just went right in. <laughs> like, well, you know, didn't knock, anything like that. Now, fortunately, the, the father of the house was ready for me um, and, and ushered me downstairs where his whole family were down and they were in a basement um, protecting themselves from all of this. Now, when, when the storm had subsided, uh, we went back upstairs and it was shocking to see what, what happened. And basically, this is a fairly new built house, very nice, double height sitting room at the back of the house. And when I was, I was with the wife, I was, or I was next to her when we walked into that room and the wind had made a path through the house. I actually was able to explore and see all the damage it had done, but it had made a path through the house hit the back wall of the house, this beautiful double height wall, and removed it. And so as we were standing in the sitting room, you could look out and you could see outside and you could see the water dripping into, uh, from this void. And as you can imagine, um, that she just broke down at that moment. After that, life moved on. But I noticed something in the days following that experience that I found interesting. And that's that having had that experience, I couldn't help but naturally focus on God and draw near to God. I was aware of the fragility of things. And it helped me to live a holy life or to live near to God in those following days. So how might it affect us if we lived each day as if Jesus might return? We know that he still may be, we don't know when he'll return, but just in case, what if he comes back today? What would it mean to be watching and waiting? You see, Jesus said that no one would know the time or the hour, which was repeated by the master to his servant in verse 50. As we think about how his return affects the way we live, this uncertainty of the time of Christ's return becomes a blessing. You see, it helps us to live rightly, expecting that today very well might be the day. See, we can identify with the failure of the servant. God has left many things to our care, our body, our time, the earth, our family, money, spiritual gifts, the list could go on. And we know there are many ways that we haven't been the servant we ought to be. And Jesus gives, he only carves, and what he teaches here, he only gives us two options. Those that mind what he is saying and are blessed, and those who disregard it and are hurled into judgment. And there seems to be no half-hearted option given to us. Now, at other times, Jesus wants us to have assurance that we are his and that we are completely forgiven. But here, Jesus is very clear, probably because he knows that he gave, if he gave us a middle apathetic option, we would probably take it. Jesus calls us to the life of, like that of a faithful servant, that when he returns, he will be pleased with what he finds. So today... Are you watching and waiting for the return of Christ? Will he be pleased with how you have managed what is under your care?
because someday he will return and it will be good. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the hope that you have given for the uh, given to us for the future that is coming. And Father, we can't wait for it. Sometimes it aches in our bones. And at other times, frankly, we become forgetful. So Father, I pray that you would help us to live in the tension of longing for your coming and knowing that it might come at any time. Help us with this that we might better honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.